You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. Today we're going to be looking at Exodus 12. Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 to 13. Exodus 12, 1 to 13 says this, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat or raw or bo- do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some of it is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Okay, so for a little while, we're going to be exploring communion and what it means. So today I'm going to be speaking about Passover and looking at the first instance where Passover happened way back in the Old Testament in Exodus here, just to set the scene, because we've kind of dropped into all sorts of stuff that's been happening all around. So, Hebrew people, they've been living in Egypt for a very long time since the days of Joseph. Remember Joseph and his snazzy, fashionable coat and how he ended up in Egypt and, and was then one of the, the leaders there and how he forgives his brothers and the brothers and the father then come and get invited to live and have property and stuff in Egypt, right? So that's where it all starts, this sort of Egyptian experience as it were. But over time, over many years, um, things change, politics change, leaders change, pharaohs change, and over time, of course, 
the Hebrew people have been growing in number and size, um, but they've also become enslaved by this point by the Egyptians. Now they are in slavery. And then we have God sending a deliverer to the Hebrew people, or the Israelite people, as they become known. Um, Moses is born. And we then are familiar with some elements of that story. The baby in the basket floating down the river, yeah, to, to get saved because the king wants to kill all the newborn boys because he's scared that the Hebrews will rise up and cause trouble and whatever. But Moses is saved. In fact, rescued by one of the Egyptian princesses and is then raised in the royal household of Pharaoh. Um, so he grows up a prince. He then learns of his heritage. He learns that he's actually one of the Hebrews. And as a result of this and all that's going on in his life, he ends up murdering an Egyptian. He then runs away in exile because he's now a wanted man. And, of course, the burning bush experience, like 40 years later after shepherding sheep in the wilderness, burning bush, God says to Moses, go back, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. So Moses goes back. Pharaoh says no. And then a whole series of plagues start happening in Egypt. And our story that we've just read, that the passage we just read today, comes into that story just before the tenth and final plague is about to happen. Okay, so God has said that the firstborn of everything, animals and people, the tenth plague, this is what it's going to be, the firstborn are going to die. All right, and if, he, and if Pharaoh doesn't let his people go to go and worship him, this is what will happen. Pharaoh still says no. So, God then gives instruction to Moses to go to the Hebrews and say to them, look, the tenth plague is coming, but also our freedom is coming. This is what you need to do to prepare. And we've just read about that. Get a lamb or a goat, pure and spotless. Sacrifice that lamb, roast the meat, splash the blood of the, the animal on the doorposts of your houses so that when the angel of the Lord comes, you'll be passed over. So let's dig down into this a little bit. We see here that they commanded to celebrate Passover each year. And I'm also going to be fast forwarding many hundreds of years into the future as well in this sermon. Because they've been told that they need to remember this and have the celebration each year once they reach the promised land. And indeed that's what they do. And indeed, that's what we see Jesus and his disciples doing, celebrating the Passover 
just before Jesus is crucified. And the Seder meal forms part of the Passover event. The Passover event happens over several days, the sort of the, the celebration, the, <coughs> the traditional thing. But the Seder meal is part of the bigger celebration of Passover. If we think of Christmas for us, yeah, we think of the Christmas period, we've got Boxing Day, we've got Christmas Day, you know, we've got sort of Christmas Eve, we've got sort of a period of days where, where different things might happen. But then we have the meal that we share on Christmas Day. So it's like a, a part of the wider thing. Yeah? Same sort of thing here. Passover is the big long celebration where the Seder meal is a little part of it. Okay, and this is happening each year. And because Jesus shared this meal with his disciples, he took parts of this meal, elements of it. It's a much wider thing. There's lots of components to the Seder meal, including roasted eggs and herbs and bitter water and all sorts of other bits, right? But Jesus just takes a couple of these elements, being the bread and the wine, okay? And he reveals a deeper meaning to the bread and the wine because he relates it to himself. So not only does this Passover Seder meal help the Jewish people remember their escape from Egypt, but it also points forward to Jesus himself. And Jesus uses it to talk to his disciples, to tell them what was about to happen with his crucifixion. And today we take communion to help us remember, to look back and remember Jesus and his crucifixion. But we also, at the same time, look forward to eternal life. And that element is going to be explored in a, in a whole sermon of its own, but later on in the series. So let's look at verse 3 and verse 4. It says, Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor. Having taken into account the number of people there are, you are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. Okay? So here we see that Passover, it's about community. It's about being a people. It's about being a nation. He instructs them, help each other out. Your neighbor can't afford to get a lamb? Okay, well, someone else you need to share with them. Each person is to be fed. Yes, they need to prepare for the escape from Egypt, the long journey, the parting of the Red Sea, the wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. That's what's just about to come for them. So eating something might be a good idea. 
Okay, so each person is to be fed. And for us, communion is not only about remembering Jesus. It's also about community. It's about family. It's about us coming together and recognizing that we are all part of God's family. Together, we are the people of God. We take communion and embody within ourselves Jesus, the one who is the common factor that binds us all together as one. One people, one body, sharing one cup, one bread, because we are one family. We recognize and celebrate our common union when we take communion. And of course, our common union is in and through Jesus. So we remember Jesus when we have communion, but we also recognize the importance of each other. In verse 5, it says, The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Here they're being told to make a sacrifice. Okay, and their sacrifice needs to be without blemish. Sacrifices are designed to be substitutes, to take our place. The sacrifice dies for our sin so that we don't have to, but the bill is still settled. And there is a lot of animal sacrifice in the Old Testament, but you have to keep doing the animal sacrifice again and again because it, it, it works for a bit, but it's, it, it's not quite enough to satisfy God's holiness and judgment. But the animal had to be pure and spotless without blemish for it to be acceptable to God as a sacrifice. And then fast forwarding again, we see Jesus, who is the ultimate sacrifice. You see, he was acceptable and was like the sacrifice of all sacrifices, so no more sacrifices now need to happen. He was without blemish as well. He was without sin. And he offers himself up at the crucifixion as the ultimate sacrifice, taking our place and paying the penalty for our sin by dying on the cross. Verse 7 and 8. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Now, I have skipped a, a little bit of the entire reading. The preceding verses to this talk about how to cook and eat the meat. Um, we don't have meat as part of our communion service um, because Jesus didn't include that in his teaching about himself, but they would have still have eaten 
the meat as part of the Passover Seder meal that he was sharing with his disciples. But we see here that the blood from the sacrifice was to be painted on the door frames of the Israelite houses just before their escape from Egypt. Because this was to be a sign to the angel of death that he could identify which houses belonged to the Hebrew people, which houses had God's people in them, and which didn't. And so when he came to a house with the blood on the doorframe, he would pass over it, and death would not enter that house. We also see that they make bread without yeast, sometimes known as unleavened bread as well. We've got some bread made without yeast today. Um, they're like crackers, yeah? That, that's a similar thing to bread without yeast. And this is what was happening in the, the pass over there. Because they were pre preparing to flee from Egypt. They didn't have time to hang around and wait for the, the bread to rise. You know, in the Bake Off, when they get their bread and they've been kneading the dough and then they say, well, I'll just, I'll just stick it in the drawer to prove, right? And then, of course, they cut in the, in the editing room like the, the three hours that the bakers sat there having cups of tea while they waited for their bread to rise. And then the next thing you see, they've pulled it out the proving drawer and now they're making their bread or shaping their buns or whatever it is. But proving dough takes a long time yeah so they had no time to wait for the bread to rise they had to be ready to go that's why they had to have their cloaks tucked into their belts and, and they pretty much put your walking boots on you know you're going to be eating this on the run because you know as, as soon as this happens you've got to go so there was no time to bake the bread in fact they'd made the bread and they'd strapped it to their backs whilst they were getting out of Egypt, all right? And we can see what extra meaning Jesus gives to the bread and the wine in Luke chapter 22, 19 to 20, says this. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. The bread, as well as the meat, at the time of the original Passover, was to sustain the Israelites through their journey towards the promised land. And of course, the 40 years of wandering in the desert, of course they had other provisions as well. One little meal of bread and lamb isn't going to last you 40 years, but it was a start. And indeed, we see that God also, in their 40-year journey, gave them daily manna from heaven, which was like bread. Bread sustains and gives energy to help us live life.
Jesus is our bread too. We need to take him into ourselves to feast on him so that he can sustain us and give us the energy we need for life. Not just life for today, but life everlasting. What of the blood? Just as the blood on the doorpost identified those within as being God's people, so too does communion identify us as being God's people. When we take communion, we are setting ourselves apart. We are painting the blood on our doorposts. Just as the angel of death passed over those houses covered by the blood of the Lamb, in the same way the death penalty required by a holy and righteous God for our sin is already paid by Jesus' sacrifice. His blood means that we too are passed over and are rescued from the slavery of sin. As Dr. Martin writes, as sinners separated from a holy God by our sin, we were doomed to die a spiritual death, a death far worse than just the physical death experienced by the Egyptian firstborn children. But God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die in our place, to allow us to escape our slavery to a life of sin. In the exodus from Egypt, the Israelites were saved and brought out of slavery through the sacrifice of the body and blood of a spotless lamb. So it is that we are brought out of a much deeper slavery, a slavery to sin and Satan, by the body and blood of Jesus, because of which we are passed over. We are saved from death and brought back into a right relationship with God that gives us eternal life. As with the Passover, this new event called by various names throughout the generations, so you may have heard it being called the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist or the Holy Communion, several different names that, that are given to this, this meal. Uh, but it was to be used as a remembrance of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. But unlike the festival of Passover, which was celebrated only once a year, communion is an event Christians are encouraged to celebrate often as a remembrance of what Christ has done for us. So let's come to the table this morning. Amen.